0: The third lesson this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, the second chapter, verses 13 through 23. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he had seen that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region, who were two years old or under, according to the time that had been ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Five years ago, I got my first GPS. I was about to move from Spartanburg, South Carolina to Lexington, North Carolina. I was going to be working as a ministry intern for ten weeks there in Lexington. Lexington's a rural farming community in North Carolina, and I was not familiar with this town in the least. I had no idea how the roads fit together, and so I looked at a map before I went there. And when I looked at the map, all I could figure was that the people who developed this town boiled a pot of spaghetti noodles, dropped them on a piece of paper, and started tracing around the outside of them. And that was how they developed the city. Well, needless to say, this GPS bailed me out more times than I can count. I was totally dependent on it for any and all directions. Going to the grocery store, going to Walmart, going to the church, anything. I had to use this GPS. I remember two weeks after I arrived in Lexington, I was asked to go visit a lady whose husband had passed away. This was before I had a smartphone with more accurate directions than my then-current GPS, and I had no internet in my house to be able to map out this route before I took off. So I had to rely solely on my miracle-working TomTom. The really cool thing about my particular TomTom, I don't know if y'all's GPSs are equipped with this option or not, but mine had the ability to take you on the long, scenic, sightseeing route that you never knew existed prior to going Well, that particular day, my trusted navigator decided to neglect the use of a bridge one mile from my house, which would have made the trip all of eight minutes. Instead, we decided to see all of Greater Lexington and the surrounding farmland. Thirty-eight miles and fifty-two minutes later, I arrived at this lady's home. When you feel like you're lost and you have to rely on the navigator that you're quite sure finds amusement, out of getting you lost and seeing what you'll do, you start noticing everything around you. You notice how many cows are in every field. You notice every old car in the back of someone's home that's rusting away. You notice all the flowers and the bushes that are planted out front of these homes. You're looking for anything that can work as a point of reference to provide you just a little bit of hope. All the while, you keep one eye on the GPS to make sure that you're going the right direction. This sounds a lot like faith, doesn't it? Keeping at least one eye on God all the time, especially when you're lost, so that you have just a little bit of hope that you might end up where you need to go. Well, as it turns out, I've since revisited a map of the area of Lexington where I was staying, and I discovered that if I had taken the bridge one mile from my home, the trip would have been significantly shorter. But, as a result of my GPS's decision to take the road much less traveled, if ever traveled, and sometimes not even paved, I learned my way around a very, very unfamiliar place. I found the homes of people to whom I would minister throughout the summer. I got to wander around and get lost and discover a place full of people who would support me throughout the summer and beyond. Well, Joseph, Jesus' dad had a bit of a habit of drifting off to sleep and encountering angels. Which is good, because in his day, there were no garments or tom-toms. But these angels who would visit him when he drifted off to sleep, they would provide him with some direction as well. They would give him some interesting directions of their own. Just after everything had calmed down around the stable where they had been staying, after the wise men had gone back off to their homes, After the animals had settled down from encountering the newborn king of all creation. The royal family set out for home. They decided to go back to Jerusalem. It was a pretty long trip. Along the way they got tired. And so they stopped and they rested. And Joseph nodded off. And during his dream an angel, for the sake of it we'll call him Tom. Shows up to give Joseph some new directions. Joseph is told to take his family to Egypt. The land where their people were enslaved for hundreds of years. It would be like your GPS deciding that it would switch satellites for seemingly no apparent reason. And you look at the route, and you know there's a bridge a mile away, but it doesn't include that bridge. The bridge that would make it a safe eight-minute journey. Instead, Tom decided that he would take the royal family on a scenic route to the greater Egyptian area see all the surrounding landscape. Into the land where they had been oppressed for so long. My guess is that Joseph probably had the same choice words that we typically have toward our GPS's when they send us on a strange route. But then he did the same thing that we do. He didn't know how to get there any other way, so he followed the directions. All the while, Joseph is thinking, God, I've got a new baby here. This doesn't make any sense. Are you sure this angel's one of yours? Just help me make it there. It's a long way. I'm tired. I'm hungry. This child won't stop crying. There's no way I'm going to be able to convince Mary to go along with this detour. What do I tell her? Egypt just isn't the place they were planning to go. Will put it well in his email earlier this week. This is like going from Columbia to Charleston and taking a route to get to Ohio on the way. But this just did not make sense. This was absolutely terrifying. Once upon a time, there was another Joseph, the son of Jacob in the Old Testament. And this Joseph, he dreamed dreams too. And eventually, these dreams brought him into Egypt. And eventually, more dreams put him in charge of Egypt. And over time, his family grew in number and power. till finally, a pharaoh came to rule over Egypt, who didn't know this Joseph. And Israel was held captive in Egypt for many years. This Egyptian dynasty was built upon the backs of Israel. The nation of God, this collective child of God, has built this Egyptian dynasty. Bound to this land not of its own choosing. This is terrifying. Imagine you're a descendant of a refugee who escaped from prison and torture in a land that was not of your choosing. And God tells you to take your young, precious family with a newborn back into this land to escape misery, to escape certain death. How would you feel? Would you do it? Is there enough trust in your heart toward God to feel safe in this land, not of your own choosing? Would you feel lost? Would you completely rely on God knowing that you were taking your family into certain danger to avoid certain danger somewhere else? But in the midst of this captivity, this captivity in Egypt, bound together by blood, by sweat, by the tears of so many Israelites, an identity was formed. A story was created out of Egypt among these people who were imprisoned and later set free By the God who remained by their side every step of the way. And it was a story that was passed down from generation to generation to generation. This was a story that Joseph, Jesus' dad, the carpenter, would have known very well. This was a story that instilled a terrific fear in his heart when the angel spoke to him, telling him, go to Egypt. But it's also a story that provided an even greater sense of hope. Because of the steadfast love of the God who freed His people out of this land before. Egypt, to the outsider, may look like a place of fear, torment, and danger. But to an Israelite, to a child of God, to one who knows the story of their people, Egypt is the place from which people are freed. Egypt is the starting point for hope. The land once known for oppression will soon be the place from whence the Savior of the world will come. This is an experience. This is a story. This is the beginning of a journey. GPS's and angels have a couple of things in common. When they give you directions for your journey, they aren't usually going to make a whole lot of sense from the beginning. But if you follow them, If you follow them, you will eventually get to where you want to be. And you'll experience an exciting journey that will shape you and form you and build you in ways that you never thought possible along the way. Following Jesus Christ is a lot like that. Following Jesus Christ means answering God's call and taking some directions that will reroute your life. A lot of times is scary. Ask any pastor or Christian worth his or her salt when God spoke to them the first time what they did. I can almost assure you, they questioned it. They wondered if they had heard correctly. They wondered if what they heard was even from God. But they followed. And they continue to follow, relying on God to provide them what they need to go where they need to be. Folks, the God we serve wants what's best for us. He wants us to live and to laugh and to love. He wants us to serve and to spread joy and good news to others. But sometimes that path that He sends us on doesn't look the way that we think it should. Sometimes that path that He sends us on doesn't look the way that we want it to. Sometimes that path that He sends us on is a lot more difficult than we'd rather take. I met a bunch of friends in seminary who, at some point in their journey, decided that they wanted to follow God's call in their life. They took paths that they didn't see coming. They heard the voice of God and they responded. One of these guys in particular always stuck with me. He was a neat guy. He used to run a children's hospital in the New England area. He was making over $600,000 a year. And he heard God say, go back to seminary. I need you to do something for me. And so one day he just quit. He threw it all away. And he enrolled in seminary. And the first time I met him, he was working in his work study job in the library in the divinity school. Stamping books. Checking books out. Returning books. Making $5.50 an hour. After I got to know him a little better, I started to ask him, What made you do this? He said, I do it for the journey. I do it because there's something about the risk of not knowing exactly where you're going to be that brought me back to life. There's something about listening to the voice of God and trusting and relying that makes me feel alive in ways that I never had before. Many of those people who have participated in Santa Hatchee over the last decade understand what it means to hear God speak in a way that's going to change your life. Those who answered God's call to participate in some way in that ministry have found their lives in quite an interesting direction than they necessarily knew to begin with. They've got a story that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Your story has become part of someone else's story. Your journey with God has become woven into the fabric of someone else's journey with God. God has an interesting way of providing for His people. He takes each of our stories and He weaves them together. And then that story gets woven into the greater, overarching story of creation. And then each of those stories gets woven into an even bigger story of redemption. The redemption that comes through the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're all connected to the God who made us and redeems us and continues to sustain us. Following Jesus isn't about going through life mindlessly from here to there. It isn't about moving from one place to another as fast as you possibly can. It's about the adventure that God invites us to join Him in taking. Following Jesus means letting go of the safety and security of watching others get dirty while you stand on the sidelines. When you decide to heed the call of the living Savior, it means that you're going to get messy. You're going to meet people that you never would have otherwise. And by the grace of God, you will forever change the lives of those with whom you come into contact. You never know when you'll be walking down the road and something will come along to change your path. Look at Jonah. He spent some time traveling around in the safety of a fish because God had somewhere he needed him to be. Look at Paul being converted on the road to Damascus because God had some people who needed to hear the good news. Look at Peter and James and John who just went out fishing like any other day and ended up being some of the first disciples. Each of them encountered God in ways that set them on a new journey that they never knew they were in need of taking until they were already well on it. By saying yes to the journey, even if it doesn't make much sense at the start, we find ourselves in the midst of an adventure with one another. With God. We move about throughout life building our stories. Those stories grow. They get more detailed. They get more interesting. And as our stories become more complex, they become more compelling. And as they become more compelling, others start reading these stories. They start reading these stories through the way that we live our lives. And somewhere along the way, they too will decide that they want to join in on this adventure. Even if they don't know where it's going. Folks, that's the good news. That's what God is calling us to do. That is what God calls us to be. People who say yes to the adventure. So that others might come to know and to believe and to live in ways that they never thought they could. Thanks be to God. Amen.